Hello, it's Pastor Doug, and welcome to Pop, a piece of peace, where we do a little shortened version of our sermons from Sunday. It's Tuesday, May 17th, as I record this, and we've been doing a sermon series at Peace recently called You Had One Job. It's basically a reminder that as people of faith, we're called simply to love, yet we oftentimes make it so complicated. I started my sermon on Sunday talking about a recent trip that 57 of us went on to Scotland and Ireland, and we had a great time roaming the lands and learning a lot about Celtic Christianity and some of the history that uh, is involved in both of those places. So when I returned home, I was inspired to re-watch the great movie Braveheart about William Wallace. Having learned a lot about William Wallace and walked the Edinburgh Castle and traveled some of the areas and learned about how he stood up to the English and was inspired to come home and re-watch it. Even though I'd seen it many times, it was like I was able to watch it again with fresh eyes, experiences, and in particular travel does that. It has the opportunity, the ability to open up our eyes and help us to see things in a broader sense. Mark Twain once said that travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on those accounts. But my sermon isn't about travel. It's about how we make God into our own image. We've heard that we are made in God's image, but we kind of return the favor. As a matter of fact, Mark Twain once again said, God created man in his own image, and man being a gentleman returned the favor. <laughs> we all do this. We make God into our own image. Sunday, <clears throat> excuse me, Sunday was Confirmation Sunday, and so we had 11 Confirmation students present. And I was sharing with all of them, as well as with all of the congregation, that every single one of us are shaped by authority figures in our life. Now we know this, of course, but did we, do we ever stop and realize that our image of God is also shaped by these same authority figures? If your father was strict or your mother was strict, chances are you might have a little more strict image of what God is like. If they were laid back and easygoing, Perhaps you have a little more laid-back, easygoing image of what God is like. We're shaped by the authority figures in our life. We take that seriously as people here on staff, as children's ministry directors, student ministry directors, pastors. We realize that we get to participate in some of the shaping of the image of what God is like. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, I was walking down the hallway at Peace and a toddler was walking with his mom the other direction, and as I passed them, I heard the toddler say to his mom, Mommy, is that God? <laughs> and the, mom, oh, it, the mom's reaction was priceless. She just laughed and said, No, honey, that's Pastor Doug. We are shaped by the authority figures in our life, and so is our image of God. Our image of Jesus also is shaped. Just look at different people's perspectives from different stories in the gospel. In the gospel of Luke chapter 22, 
one chapter, same gospel, there are two radically different takes on what Jesus is calling us to be about. The beginning of it, Jesus mentions to his disciples that if you need to, go and sell a cloak and buy a sword. I'm gonna guess chances are most of you didn't recognize that this passage was in scripture. And there's a whole group of people that take this passage as justification as to why they can buy guns and protect themselves. Now go a paragraph further. Jesus gets arrested and in the chaos, Peter takes out his sword and slices off one of the soldier's ears. And Jesus grabs the ear, heals the soldier and says, put away your swords. Swords will not be how we are defined. Now that passage is justification as to why we should be nonviolent people and and protest against guns. So there's two radically different opinions there in the same chapter, in the same gospel. Show of hands out there listening to this right now, how many of you people feel that you have solid morals and values? My hope is all of you at home right now or wherever you're listening, raise your hands. But here's here's an interesting question. How many of you, and I was surprised on Sunday morning actually how many people did raise their hands because I was picturing no one would raise their hands. How many of you picture that God disagrees with your morals and values. Now, I would think that would be none of us, that we try to shape our own morals and values in order that it pleases God. But evidently, some of us recognize that God might disagree. Think of different images of Jesus. We like to see him as the good shepherd because we like to consider ourselves sheep. But what happens if we're the wolf? Suddenly, the good shepherd changes his staff for a rod. Or we like the image of when Jesus withdrew and prayed. We like to picture that Jesus. But we're less comfortable with the Jesus that made a whip out of cords and turned over tables in the temple. Is there room for us to have both Jesus? in our understandings, in our images of what Jesus was like. There's a great story of Jonah. Many of you might be familiar with Jonah. He was called by God to go to the Ninevites and announce that they turn their ways and God will forgive them. And the Ninevites were the most uh, hated people at the time when Jonah lived and, and the Israelites couldn't stand them. And there were horror stories of what the Ninevites had done to the Israelites. And so of course, Jonah runs the opposite direction and ignores God's call. But one thing leads to another. Jonah ends up in a ship, ends up jumping off of that ship, swallowed up by a fish, and that fish vomits Jonah onto the shore. And Jonah finally gives in, relents, and goes and announces what God wanted Jonah to announce to the Ninevites. And a miracle takes place. The Ninevites accept God's offer. They turn their ways and God forgives them. Now you would think this would be the end of the story, a happy ending, but it's not. Jonah gets upset. Jonah crosses his arms and pouts like a child, upset that he knew God would do what God does and be all forgiving and loving and accepting. And Jonah can't stand it because he 
let's face it, I think there's a part of us that gets this. Jonah doesn't like them. Jonah doesn't think that God's favor should rest on people like that. And I know I've felt like that. Like, God, your, your grace, your goodness, of course it falls on me, but it certainly doesn't fall on people like, like that. Now, the best part of the story is God appoints a bush to provide shade for Jonah, and Jonah enjoys the shade and the peace under that bush. And he's still sitting there. I, I love this image. I picture Jonah still sitting there, arms crossed, pouting, though, because God's love is bigger than Jonah could imagine. And so God, this is my favorite part of the whole story, God appoints a worm, and the worm eats the bush. <laughs> it's almost like God saying, you know what, if you're going to sit there and pout about my goodness, my grace, my forgiveness, my love, and the fact that it's bigger than you can imagine, then guess what? I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you. So you have to challenge yourself and perhaps realize that I'm bigger than you thought. <laughs> I love that. So here's my prayer for you, people of peace. If you ever find yourself like I do from time to time, sitting with your arms crossed, pouting that God's love, forgiveness, mercy, kindness, and grace is bigger than you can imagine and might even, might even fall on people like that, whoever that is for you, then may God do you the gift of sending you a worm that you might realize that God is 